You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley again. Barkley, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. Happy, happy Monday. Uh, we're all knee-deep in the playoffs now, except for us Nick fans who are no longer in the playoffs. But uh, for all you Nets and Islanders and, of course, Tampa Bay Lightning fans out there, we are still in it. So exciting time of the year. This is, you know, and then not to mention we are getting into the most exciting part of the football season, mandatory mini camps, where we will have Wall-to-wall coverage, right, Grum? Well, this is this is actually kind of like the fun time. Like if you're if you're if you're a Nets fan, an Islanders fan, whatever, a Lightning fan, doesn't matter. If you're if you're into sports and your team is in the playoffs for basketball or hockey, just you know, you get to watch the game and your team won, and it's really exciting. And then you switch over the next morning, and you've got little highlight clips of your your favorite football team throwing some bombs in practice, and it gets you excited for the regular season. So this is this is the part of the off season where where people really feel like their team is going to go seventeen and zero. Always, is, this yeah. Is, this is winning the off season right now, where every. The only news you're going to hear is good news, and usually you're getting that news from a source. I mean, let's face it. This time of year, you're getting most of your information from friendly sources. You know, you were listening to, you know, hopefully this podcast, but, you know, some of the other really good giant podcasts out there. You're reading, you know, giant-specific information, and it's going to come at you from a giant perspective. So. It's not, it might be a little sugar-coated or, or whatever, but everything you read is you're going to feel like we're going to Super Bowl. So, yeah, this is uh, – everybody wins the offseason, and that, that's where we are right now. And I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people who I want to see things like how Barkley is cutting on his knee, you know, whatever, as an example. No, I don't think he's running, but I'm just saying. You know, stuff like that. You know, you want to see – Kenny Galladay catching passes downfield or, or whatever, you know, you want to see a Dory Jackson getting an interception or whatever. We want to get information. We don't want to get smoke blown up our ass. And I think that's a very fine line you get in the off season where, you know, we want, you want to hear, you know, how is Saquon looking? That's information. That's, that's things you can hang your head on and say, okay, I, I'm, I'm adequately going to be prepared for training camp in the fall. You know, I don't need to hear puff pieces about, you know, this talking head thinks the Giants have the best offensive line since the 37 Packers or some nonsense where it's just purely getting smoke blown up your ass. And, you know, what we're going to try to do for the rest of the summer, you know, besides our pencil and pen picks, which might be a little rose colored, is try to give information that's helpful, not asshole smoke blowing. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to take any of this too seriously. You know, the most important headline here is that it looks like when you are listening to this, this is the first day of the mandatory minicamp stuff, the Giants will have full or nearly full attendance. Uh, I mean, it's mandatory, so that's what you hope for. But, you know, that's really the only thing is, you know, that and, you know, that's, that's kind gets, of it. No, well, that and that nobody gets hurt during it. Well, I don't even say it, you know. Oh, I mean, well, I mean, there's 
there's scientific evidence that whatever I say, as much as a mush I am, has zero impact on what happens on a practice facility 25 miles away. So having said that, you know, that is the second biggest, probably the more important news than who shows up is who doesn't end up on a stretcher or who doesn't, you know, isn't out for the year. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, so right now, you know, you can relish by, by all means, enjoy the off season, enjoy the clips. You know, they are fun. Just try not to take it too seriously. Don't worry about who's getting the starting reps, who, who dropped a pass. None of that is important. This is about chemistry, getting used to the language, getting in shape, you know, just basic things like that. This is not installing offense. If you see a little clip of Evan Ingram running a two-yard hitch route, that doesn't mean that that is going to be part of, like, a staple of the offense or anything like that. Just try not to blow a gasket over the little things here. Just enjoy that you get some clips of some cool stuff. People showed up. You don't have, you know, we've taken kind of for granted that over the last few years, we haven't really had a drama headline in the summer right i mean since beckham left there's been nothing yeah i mean there's been a lot of uh restarts you know it's been more of oh let's see what the ben mcadoo offense will be like or let's see you know x you know these are the first guys that dave gettleman brought in or or whatever but i mean there's been no like i i, I get so exhausted having to defend players you know when from from doofuses on twitter just like oh your best receiver didn't even show up or whatever you know it's just well, you just get DeAndre, so frustrated with that you know was it deandre baker incident during the offseason um yes uh but it happened before any of the minicamp stuff i guess yeah i guess i guess that counts that's fair you know, yeah. it sucks because you know whether he did something or didn't do something, he's eligible to play now, and you know, he's not in jail. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, okay. So DeAndre Baker, yeah, that that counts. That's fair. You know, it is. That's a thing. Um, I, I don't know though. You know, it's it's just nice to not have to deal with what Falcons fans are dealing with right now. I mean, they're Falcons fans have to be. Frustrated. I mean, they lose a top five wide receiver from a team who didn't. He didn't want to be there anymore. I mean, he's just quite frankly like this team is not going to win. I don't care. I'm going somewhere where I can win something, anything. Um, so not only do you lose a receiver, you're also faced with a the the cold water splash in your face that your team really does suck. I mean, you're not going to win this year. You find that out in spring. That sucks. And. Uh, you know, then you have to deal with people rubbing it in your face all the time. It's nice to know. Quite frankly, they weren't winning. They weren't winning anything with him either. So it's not like all of a sudden, you know, they were booking their flights for the Super Bowl and all of a sudden they have to cancel their plans. Yeah, but I mean, it does. It does suck to have the air sucked out of your excitement. This, I mean, the sure. season didn't start yet. I mean, so it's it's premature to have the air sucked out of it. But I mean, you have to not feel good. Yeah, but I think, you know, enough time will pass where, you know, you'll get all of what we just mentioned, all that feel-good stuff about mini camps and then, you know, summer training camp and the first couple of practice games. It, you know, you move on. I mean, how long did we... I mean, look, we went to Atlanta. They're not the brightest bunch. No, they'll they'll see one catch from Kyle Pitts and think they're going to the Super Bowl. 
Well, that's a, that's the thing too is that when you get uh, you know that's a true generational talent in Kyle Pitts. It does soften that blow a bit. I mean, it would have been really fascinating to see Leo Jones and Kyle Pitts together. That's not going to happen. Well, I mean, I know I, I we we try not to use buzzwords like generational talent, but has Julio Jones been a top five wide receiver every single year he's been in the league? I think that you could make that argument. I think you could. Yeah, but he's I mean, also that's, the, that's pretty intense, insane. But he's also on the back. I mean, this is it trading Odell Beckham at the you know supposed peak of his you know career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's starting to see the backside a little bit. He's starting on the downward slope slightly. Yeah, I mean, he's. I would still argue he's a top five wide receiver right now, and probably let me, next year. Let me, let me ask you a question: What do you think of the haul they got in return for him? The haul. So, I mean, a lot of people liked to use the Julio Jones trade as a, a way of, I, I, I don't know, comparing it to the Beckham trade in the Hall back. And I think that they're very not comparable. Um, not necessarily because Beckham was only 25 and Julio Jones is 30 or 32 or whatever the hell he, I think he's 32. Um, I think Beckham was 26, but it doesn't matter. Because I think that that actually washes out when you look at the contracts. So, I mean, whoever traded for Beckham was getting the contract he just signed which was a monster deal. He is currently like the 30th or 29th highest paid player in the league. So when you trade for that, that's that's a big negative for trading for somebody. Um, Julio Jones has only like two years left on his contract and then an opt-out year. So it's kind of, for a top five wide receiver talent, definitely top. I mean, we can, we can argue top five, maybe top seven. I don't know. I think he's top five. But that's not bad to take on that. Um, but... That haul, I mean, you get to a situation where the player is pretty much telling the entire universe he's not going to play there anymore. You're forced into a trade. It completely, you lose all your leverage in a trade. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it's not really fair to compare that trade to any other trade. I mean, I think they did the best they could. I mean, they probably could have done better, but what are you going to do if somebody says, no, I'm not taking that? I mean, you can't. You're losing a roster spot. You're paying a guy to not show up. you got to get rid of him. So, I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I wouldn't compare it to any other, you know, because everything is, you know, every situation is unique. But to me, that still seems like he was a little low, a little low, a little low. It wasn't like again. He, I don't think Julio Jones ever said, "I'm not showing up to." He wasn't doing you know the, some of the demands of some of these other guys where well, demand we know trained. of. I know, but it was, you know. The whole thing with Shannon Sharp and him saying he wasn't coming back—that's, you know, that—that's a, a few steps below the "I'm not showing up anymore." Because again, these guys may have leverage, but at the end of the day, they don't play; they don't get paid. So it's you know, and then also that that also hurts your standing. You're a bit, you know, because he's still looking for another contract after this contract. And you know, if you're going to become a cancer like that, you're you're damaging your your brain and your future. You know. Earning potential, yeah, and also where you want to go too. A little bit, but he doesn't really come with a ton of baggage anyway. I mean, the only other thing I can no. think of with Julio Jones is that at one point he was just whatever. He he got a contract restructure because he wasn't the highest paid wide receiver anymore. Yeah, because remember that, that was pretty much it. If you decide you want to get traded and demand to trade, you know, they can honor your wish and be. And, and trade you, they may trade you to Jacksonville, or they may trade you somewhere completely irrelevant. And it's like, well, you got your wish, you're traded. I mean, 
a guy like him, you know, he's saying he wants to be traded. He wants to be traded somewhere he's going to win. And, you know, if he plays nice, they try to accommodate as best they can. So, you know, him just saying, I'm not playing anymore. Screw you. They don't have as much leverage as you think they do. Yeah. And so he winds up with the Titans, which is, you know, that's that's an interesting fit because they just lost Corey Davis. And now, they, they, I mean, they can, they've upgraded, you know, Corey Davis, <laughs> AJ, I don't care what you say Julio Jones top five so uh, he goes there Ryan Tannehill is you know on the hot seat a little bit yeah but I mean he's not he's not going to Jameis Winston's box or you know no but I mean he's going to be looked at a lot more before he was almost like a caretaker quarterback where you know Derrick Henry is the offense and they're going to win and lose based on what he does and how pounding the rock in, in the running game. Well, now you have a Julio Jones. You're going to be expected to not just be a caretaker anymore, not just a you know a placeholder. You're going to be expected to make plays and get him the ball. So the the level of expectation for what he can do has just gone up quite a bit. And I don't know. He was in a perfect situation where he was before that type of offense. Would you bank on him elevating his game to? Tannehill. I mean. He's a he's a he's a caretaker quarterback. Yeah. In in an offense that doesn't rely on him to throw the ball forty times, you know, for four hundred yards and five touchdowns. But he can his, sling it. I mean, he's not he's not hot garbage back there. You know, he not hot, he's not hot garbage. But is he? Can he step his game up to be one of the in the top? I think if, if he has to put a game on his back to win, it's going to be a struggle. I think there's only like half the. That's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. a little bit less than half the teams in the league. He can do that. Well, and, and but, but having Julio Jones will help that, you know? Well, that's that, that, That's my whole point. Now you have Julio Jones. I think he's a little bit on a hot seat that he's going to be expected to step up. So, you know, the excuses won't be anymore, well, who's he throwing to? It's on him. So it's, it's, it's going to be very fascinating to see if he can elevate his game because if not, you know, he's gone, you know, next year or, or wherever. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, yes, you're right. Uh, but, you know, whether it's next year or the year after, he's gone anyway. I mean, the, yeah. the quarterback position in Tennessee is a spot that they're – Ryan Tannehill was brought in because Marcus Mariota just wasn't what they thought he would be. Just is right. what it is, right? Right, yeah, he just – yeah, he, he was a bust. So, you know, since we're talking about Julio Jones and we're doing our season predictions, I'm going to give you this one chance – once-in-a-lifetime chance. One week ago, we did a prediction game against Atlanta, and you had us as a loss in pen. Do you want to change your your, uh, your prediction there? I'm going to keep it as a loss in pen. All right. I mean, your reasoning had nothing to do with Julio specifically, so... Right, right. I, I don't think... Unless you're talking about the quarterback, I don't think one player makes... moves a needle that that much to me for thinking, oh, we're going to lose, oh, now we're going to win. And, you know, it's. Uh, I still think just the way the schedule is lining up, I think this just feels like a loss. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, you had described it as like it was kind of a trap game. They'd be going mm-hmm. in there a little bit too cocky, going two and zero in your scenario, and then you know just tripping over themselves. Yeah, I don't think they're good enough at this point to come at, after two wins to go in there and just assume, well, we're going to win a, a third game at home, and uh, you know. I, they're not quite there yet to say that's a win. I think that's still there's still going to be some, you know, 
step backs on this team. And, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And this to me seems like the one step back. And, you know, one guy not being there isn't going to make that much of a difference in that kind of uh, path to maturation of this team. So with that, we both have the Giants going into week five at three and one. Um, wow, I, yeah. I can't think of the last time the Giants were three and one. I guess 2016 probably, right? Um, I think so, yeah. But week five is a whole different story, right? They go to Dallas Sunday at 425. Fox is America's game of the week, probably. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Troy Aikman's nuts will be firmly... Uh, oh, yeah. Nestled yeah. in Jerry Jones's eyes. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, so, you know, the Giants go in. Uh, how, how do you feel then? Three and one, they travel to Dallas, uh, 425 game. This is where the opposite thinking I had of Atlanta saying they're not good enough to consistently win, you know, games that maybe they should have. Well, this is a game where that inconsistency says they win a game where you think they may not win. And I, I'm going to put this as a win in pencil. Uh, Dallas was atrocious last year. And I understand part of that was because of the quarterback situation with Dak being out. You're getting guys off the street to be the quarterback. But their defense sucked. It was awful. It well, was, they were a one-win team or a two-win team when Dak went down. Just, you know, a yeah. lot of people like to put that, oh, Dak Prescott went down. Well, they weren't very good before he got hurt. Oh, so. I'm, not giving, I'm not giving any excuses and I'm not giving him <laughs> a jail-free card because of Dak. But um, we, honestly, until we see Dak play, we don't know what we're going to get from him. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden he's coming back and Joe Montana's back on this team. Dak Prescott is perfect for the offense they were trying to run. Dak Prescott has to prove that he's 100% healthy before we can say, well, Dak's the quarterback. You know, he's the best quarterback in the division. I'm not ready to say that yet until I see, you know, multiple games and multiple, you know, evidence of proof that he is back. Then I'll start really worrying about him. But until then, you know, they made, you know, they, they, they did some things in the draft that work on the defense, but it's still going to be a young defense. And a garbage defense and a garbage defense with a new coordinator. It's going to take time for that defense to to gel. And I think, you know, Giants will be inconsistent still as they're, you know, maturing. But I think this is one of those games where if you don't expect them to win, they're going to win. And it's almost like a statement game in a division. And I am having them in pencil winning. All right. Yeah. Four and one for the cranky fan. Not so cranky at all. Again, I think I said this last week. This was a game last year I had them losing probably in pen, maybe in pencil. But this year, I think just, you know, the raised talent level, the, you know, I think Daniel Jones is continuing to make that jump to more consistency. Doesn't have to be a pro bowler next year, but, you know, the consistency is going to get better and better. I think, you know, getting into week five, you're getting in a groove. You know, I, I, I get it that it's the week after another, you know, Road game in New Orleans, you know, you're playing in two two domes, big crowds, but I, I think they're just going to get it done. I, I think there's a changing of the guard in the NFC East, and I think this is really the game that really sets out in motion. But the Giants are serious competitors, you know, and um, to, to win the division this year. Dallas added Micah Parsons to a new defense to be headed by Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn is a formidable defensive coordinator, probably the best one that Dallas has had in a long time. Um, but 
he's still working with like one good defensive lineman and a shaky, shaky secondary. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah, and that's kind of what that's what Chef Quinn is going to be dealing with. <laughs> um, you know, this was a strange off season for Dallas. I saw that they got a lot of good marks in those like bullshit ass draft reviews things, but. In my opinion, Dallas tried to throw all of their draft picks at defensive player, any defensive player that they could find. But they're still several pieces away from being anything like the Legion of Boom. So I feel good about the offensive line holding up against the pass rush. And I, I feel good about moving the ball on the ground. I think that the offense can move the ball well here. No one in that secondary stands up to go. Oh, jeez. I just punched the microphone. Um <laughs> You know, so emotional that, that talking about that. Slight now. Maltese is just Italian enough to talk with your hands. Um, <laughs> uh, no one in the secondary stands up to Galladay's height, uh, nor uh, uh, Tony's ability for speed. You know, it's just going to depend on how the shots are going to call there. I feel less good about the defense. So I think this is the first time that we've done one of these where I, I feel worse about the defense and the offense. You know, even though the Giants are significantly better on the back end with Adoree Jackson and a healthy McKinney, which we only had for one of the Dallas games last year, I need to see the creative blitzes with the man coverage to feel better because we haven't seen that. Last year, even Andy Dalton with a bum hand that Leonard Williams stepped on and he was having a bad game anyway, like worse than any other game he had played that year with accuracy, Dallas was still alive in that second game for most of the... I mean, that was a close game. So it will be very different with Dak back there. Elliott can't be the main focus with all the receiving weapons that they have, but that means on any given play, linebackers have to do their job because even if the defensive line clogs up the holes, Ezekiel Elliott can be patient for something to open up. So I think that this game comes down to three points or less. So I'm putting this one as a win in very, very light pencil. I don't feel lovely about these early October, late September games in Dallas are just, I don't know. I I never really feel good about going there this early. Well, we we usually go there in early September. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you get to week five, this is October 10th, you start to have a pretty good sense of, you know, what you are. It may not be – you may not be able to write in pen, this is what the Giants are, you know, bad offense, good defense, or, you know, Daniel Jones is this, or, you know, the secondary is that. But by then you have a kind of a sense. You've gone through, you've played a few home games, you've played a few away games. You can make a pretty good assessment of what path you think this team is going on. So I'd rather play – this is not a bad time for me to, to go on the road and play them. You know, the beginning of the season, you know, we've it's been well documented and we go there really early and, you know, everybody's extra amped up because it's the beginning of the year. You know, later on in the season, you know, it's not a place I want to have to go to to have to win a game. I, I, I think this is a good spot to, to get this game kind of over with, you know, from as far as the, the away part of the uh, – oh, don't, don't get me wrong. This is, this is the time I want to go there. I just never feel good about it. You know, those those you know what I'm talking about too. Where you like you look at the field and the way that that stadium is set up, and you just see all the sunlight on the field. It just maybe it just conjures up bad memories for me, or, or something. I don't know, but I just never feel good about seeing the those windows letting in all this light 
on the field. Just it, well, it, it is a four thirty. It's a four twenty five game, so three twenty five their time, and you know we're getting into October. It's a little before the time change, so yeah. I mean, that's that might be just something that kicks triggers in your brain. Yeah, I, guess. I think that's just PTSD. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not necessarily even from losses, just stress. Um, so four and one for both of us. And then you know, week six, the Giants come home. They host the LA Rams again Sunday one o'clock. This is an interesting four and one. Four and one, Grump, uh, a cranky fan. Tell me, tell me how how you feel. We're gonna walk out of that game four and two. I, yeah. I, again, again, another game where I think I have a sense that this season's gonna be one of those we're gonna play better under adverse circumstances. Like I think we might play a little better on the road. Again, like we were, you know, three and one going to four and one. I, I, I just think, like, if, if we come out of the Dallas game and we're 4-1, and one, we're going to be the talk of the town. Because think of where we are. This is going to be October 17th. Good chance no Yankee playoffs this year. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm like, you know, the Mets— Never miss an opportunity. <laughs> well, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to, you know, tighten that, you know, knife a little further in. But that's not, that's not my point for this thing. Um, you know, it is— up in the air if the Mets will be in the playoffs. You know, they're having a good start. But, you know, my point being that the city's attention span and the media's attention span or, te- or eyes it may be focused on the Giants a little earlier than it usually is, where it's full on, you know, okay, baseball's over. Let's really see what's going on with the football teams right now. And if this team is 4-1, and one, Coming back home and playing, you know, a marquee name, the Rams. Yeah, I would say so. You know, that's a, that's an added pressure that they probably might not have had in years past. And again, I still, you know, this Matthew Stafford trade is fascinating to me. Is he the missing link that this team needs to elevate to, you know, a Super Bowl contender or not? I, I don't know. Um, but... Something tells me, again, we're not quite ready for prime time and ready to handle, you know, the, the trappings of success that a 4-1 team would be. And I think this is a loss in pencil. All right. Loss in pencil. Um, so I want you, without looking, n- name a Rams defender that's not named <laughs> Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, or Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Deacon Jones. <laughs> I think I rest my case. I, you know, I keep seeing these things where, like, the Rams are grouped in with, uh, pick your favorite, what, what's the best defense in the NFL? And I know that they're dumb clickbait things, but they don't even deserve to be in the conversation from my point of view. I mean, really, I, I'm, the next biggest, I mean, you have Taylor Rapp, you know, Jordan Fuller, uh, Ashawn Robinson. I mean, like, what is, like, so star-studded about this defense that, that people just lose their shit? I think they're just stuck in two years ago. I don't think... If you ask me, this team isn't half as good as they were two years ago. While I believe some of that problem as a team was Jared Goff and just 
not that he's bad, but just what what they saw with him with year one is not really all that different from year three. So yeah, I, I think when a quarterback like that, you know, somehow gets his way into the Super Bowl, you know, it's you not a mistake. Think, he's good. You you think he's better than he is? Like all of a sudden, it's like, oh well, you know, he's a Super Bowl quarterback. He got us there. I mean, you know, Philly overspent because their guy got him to you know towards the Super Bowl. You know, so. Uh, it's a little unfair to you know to a quarterback to have those expectations of what your value is because of what your team did to get there. It, I, I, I think that honestly they've just let their defense slip apart over those couple of years. You know they, they are just they not. As... Lot, they they spent a lot. They spent it on a we need to do it now mentality with the with the defense. Defense was really talented, but there was a high price tag for it, and it was not sustainable with the salary cap error. So it wasn't like they just let it slip away. It's they kind of they had a small window and that window closed. Yeah, and, and I don't want there to be any mistake. Like this is still a very solid roster on both sides of the ball, uh, but the improvements in the Giants' offense make this a, a this is a winnable game. I don't want there to be any idea that there is this is not a winnable game or that this is a loss in pen. This is just you know that there's no way. It's absolutely. I don't think I've taken my pen out once this year when we're talking about losses. I mean, the talent level of the Giants to their opposition this year is decreased greatly. Um, I think one thing, a pattern we're seeing in our picks is that I tend to go more on the flow of a season and everything in totality where I think you're looking at these things as like almost games matchups like, and stuff. Yeah, games like in a vacuum almost of like they're playing this team this week. This is, you know, this is what's happening. Where I'm looking at it is more like I understand the matchups. This may look better on paper this week than next week, but I just don't see it how we're flowing along. So, I mean, neither of us are right or wrong. That's just kind of the way we're looking at things. So that's what I think it's this, that pattern is coming. It's starting to come into focus the way we're doing this. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's going to be some st- struggles to hold up uh, on the offensive line for a few deep shot deep shots because they are an aggressive defense, and, and Donald Floyd and Robinson are all very good. Um, so the thing is, is that this is going to need to be a mistake-free game on offense to win. And anytime I say that, just know that I'm already airing on the side of like, eh, that's not good. Um, we're not a mis- we're not a mistake-free team in optimal situations, you know. So yeah, I, I mean, whatever. On, on offense, so the Rams continue to just stockpile speed. It's really kind of amazing. They go out and they get Deshaun Jackson, and they draft Tutu Atwell. Um, you know, the difference here, really, for me. And this is not a Matt Stafford's better than Jared Goff or, or Matt Stafford's underappreciated. I do think that Matt Stafford has had pretty much only bad coaches in his entire career. But the difference <laughs> here is, you know, you brought up Jared Goff, brought them to a Super Bowl, and, you know, you start to think that he's better than he really is. We learned that maybe a lot of that was Sean McVay. You know, we learned that, you know, they go into the huddle and they're out of the huddle really quick and they're at the line with so much time left on the playcock that McVeigh is actually still able to talk into the helmet. So he's kind of doing the defense reading for Jared Goff. Matt Stafford's a veteran. He he is an upgrade over Jared Goff irrefutably in reading the field. I I I would be hard pressed to find any hard evidence that Jared Goff is better at that than Matt Stafford. I would, I would be stunned if I could find something like that. But let me ask you something, though. If Matt Stafford is a veteran who can read you know, defenses and, and read assignments and, and adjust to something else, 
do you trust Matthew Stafford based on his body of work, or do you trust the the way they had it with McVay kind of audibling in, in Goff's ear? Well, I'm not it's saying that they need to choose one or the other. What I'm saying is that if – get that anymore. What I'm saying is that if Stafford goes up there and he sees or, – or there's a shift after a certain moment or whatever, he's fully capable of understanding – McVeigh's offense and knowing when to switch out of a play without being told is basically what I'm saying. Do you think um, by week six that that is no, nah, not necessarily. You know, I I don't know about that. That you know, we're in, learning a whole new offense, whatever. But it, you know, he got traded very early on, so it's yeah. possible he'll know enough. Basically, though, he may know ninety percent of it, or you know, it's not second nature quite yet. You know, no, 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 I wouldn't. But, you know, he's also not going to be afraid. If he sees something, he will audible out of it. You know what I mean? Even even if he doesn't know the offense that well, I, I'm pretty sure that Matt Stafford would hedge his bets that he's reading something right and making the correct call. Um, and it's going to be tested. You know what I mean? Like, Patrick Graham likes to run a lot of creative stuff. He likes to disguise things really well. It's like one of the things that we learned last year is he's very, very good at that, even against the veteran quarterbacks. Um, but it's not nearly the same as last year when he was going up against Jared Goff. I mean, it just isn't. So, you know, the Giants match up pretty well in the secondary against a lot of things. The amount of speed on this offense is also a little daunting. You know, it's not one of the things that I feel real comfortable about is the amount of speed that they're going against. At the end of the day, it amounts to getting pressure on Stafford, and they need to do more than just get pressure on him. They're going to have to hit him. Um I have this one as a loss in pencil. I think I, I just think it's 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 season schedule placement to me where the loss comes in more than the than the matchup itself. It's you know because we're we're the second half of this show. You know I'm I'm looking in my uh, trusty backpack now. I'm looking for my my super size sharpie because I'm going to use these for the next couple of games. So, but up until this point, you know things can go either way. Almost at a drop of the half for any of these games, but now we're getting into week seven. Now we start getting into more definitive uh, outcomes. Yeah, so week seven, you know, your your four and two Giants will host the Carolina Panthers at one o'clock. How do you feel? I'm breaking up the sharpie on this one. This is the first Giants win in pen we had all year. Carolina is, you know. This town knows what Sam Darnold is. And for fairness, for right or wrong, Sam Darnold is somebody that, after what, three years? The Jets, who need everything, were kind of a 1 14 team at one point, decided that their biggest need, rather than trading down and getting more draft picks and working on this roster, was we have to replace the quarterback. That was job one. So one team's trash is another team's trash, in my opinion. I seriously, I mean, this, I don't see, you know, is there really a second act for this guy, you know, with, uh, you know, better coaching, better talent around him? Did, did you see that as Sam Darnold when you were watching? Did you ever say to yourself, this guy is just in a horrible situation? You know, if I gave him you know, better personnel and a better, you know, situation, he'd be all right. I, I never got that sense. So, um, you know, Giants are home again for a second week in a row. They're not traveling. 
this to me feels like, you know, this team is, I've mentioned the inconsistencies maybe of this season, but this one I feel, you know, they are good enough where this is a game they should win. And, and again, in previous years, they probably would lose and be like, oh, two in a row they lost at home. We're getting ready for danger time. They'll win this game. And I feel very, very confident about it. All right. Five and two from the cranky fan. Um, Carolina is rebuilding pretty quickly, uh, but they put all the emphasis on offense and not defense. So the Panthers might field the most ho-hum defensive roster in the NFL this year. I'm really not kidding. Um, ho-hum not being awful, just ho-hum. It's just, it's just ho-hum everywhere. You know, a lot of teams are like, this is a bad defense, but their secondary is pretty good. You know, or, or they're, they, they got two out of three good linebackers. Like, but this is just every facet of this defense is just eh, it's just all right i guess a lot of these guys should be backups or you know the first guy off the bench they're all starters you know it's that's what it looks like all over the defense um up front i would be painfully disappointed if the offensive line can't control the pass rush or the run game well carolina's secondary boasts three solid corners one is young and another is very young um even so Having three solid DBs and no pass rush should not be able to hold Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Tony, and Ingram, and Barkley. So if the Giants can't score in this defense, then we can start talking draft. I mean, that is pretty plain and simple. If they can't move the ball against this defense, then we can start talking about what needs to be added in the next offseason. And and that Sharpie may not be put back into the backpack. That that might be the Sharpie that you left the cap off of for like a year. Exactly. Um the Panthers have invested like 90% of their rebuild on the offense with building with a big banking that Sam Darnold isn't shitty. He was just drafted by Woody Johnson's Jets. Um, that's what they're banking on, right? I mean, I, I, I think that Sam Darnold is better than what he showed at the Jets. You know, working with Adam Gase, everybody laughed at that hire. And it turned out exactly how everybody thought. He was not a good offensive mind like everybody claimed he was. He was a bad offensive coordinator, bad head coach. He's, he's not bad good. Coach. He's, yeah. he's bad. He's not good. And, you know, and that's what Sam Darnold was stuck in. So I think he's better than that. I don't think he's – I don't know. I, I think that he he needed a change of scenery anyway. I think this was the right switcheroo here. But that said, I'm not necessarily afraid of him either. Um Hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, what are the odds that when we get to week 7, Will Greer is the starting quarterback? No, 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 no. I'd be... I'd be... I'm just uh, throwing it out there. Well, they got that guy from the AAF. P.J. Walker was pretty good. The quarterback. Okay, so what are the odds that one of those two guys is starting? <laughs> um, I mean... 10%? By week 7? That's right on the cusp, too, where you start to give up on people, right? I mean, well, you, you, did, you made the trade, so, you know, you don't want to give up on him yet, but if he's shitty through six weeks, it's hard to not. Um, Would he be a scapegoat for, you know, other bigger problems that the team has? I could see that. Yeah, I could see. I, the thing is, I don't really have a good grasp on who Matt Rule is as a head coach, mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to answer. It's definitely possible. I'll say that. Especially if Will Greer is consistent. He doesn't even necessarily have to be good. He just has to be consistent. If Sam Darnold's inconsistent and bad and Will Greer is just consistent, Rule will at least know what he's getting out of Greer and know that Sam Darnold is just not the answer. It might happen. It's just a weird trait. It's just like a weird, like... Well, you knew he was going somewhere. 
I know, but it just, I don't know. I felt like, I, I, I thought that the progression would be that he'd be the backup and eventually he'd be unceremoniously released at some point. I'm just surprised that somebody jumped on him, you know, immediately. Yeah. But to their credit, they've surrounded him with a lot of talent. You know, McCaffrey was already there and then they went out and got Hubbard, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Shai Smith, Terrace Marshall. It's a lot of talent around him. You know, they went out and got the best right tackle in the NFL with Moten. Maybe he's the best right tackle. I don't know. He's really good, but he's anchoring the right side of a very, very meh offensive line. So the Giants defense needs to figure out how to get to Donald quickly and shut down the quick hot looks because you know that's what they're going to do. I like, in this matchup, Graham's ability to make Donald see ghosts in the matchup. But it shouldn't be taken lightly. I have this as a winning pen. So we both got them at 5-2 and two going to Week 8 where they will travel on Monday Night Football 8-15 to Missouri, Kansas City, Giants at Chiefs. How do you feel? <laughs> I don't think I have a pen dark enough for this pen this this game in in, in uh, as a loss. You, I mean, it, you want some printer toner? Yeah, I mean, I might you know I'm thinking you know asphalt blacktop <laughs> on there, and it's that's really I would feel about pretty much 28 other teams in the uh, the NFL. They were going into Kansas City on a Monday night. I would say the same thing. So this is really not much. Not really an indictment on the Giants, whether it's year two of a rebuild or year 26 of a, a rebuild. If they are a expansion team or they are, you know, a defending Super Bowl champ, I think going in there, it's one of the three hardest places to play. You know, that's like it's a college atmosphere. They get super amped up for primetime games and, uh, you know, they probably have the best quarterback in the league and the most dynamic offense and yeah it just it's an interesting test to see where do you stack up with you know i still think i still think pound for pound is the best team in the league i know you know the, the bucks you know beat them beat them pretty good in the super bowl that game is played 10 times i think kansas city wins six and a half to three and a half maybe so i you know, we're going to take our lumps. We'll take the loss, and we will, you know, think about the Raiders in the following week. But that is, you know, there's really not much to talk about in this one. This is a, it's a super loss and super pen. Super pen. All right, listen. I'm going to start this off differently than I do every other game. I have this one as a loss and pen, so we're going to start right there. Okay, so that puts us both at five and three Giants right now. But I'm going to say, the Chiefs have. One of the best and most creative head coaches in the league. One of a one of a kind quarterback. A total speed mismatch at wide receiver. The league's best tight end. And a familiar Giants defensive coordinator slash defensive coordinating legend. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl next year. I just don't think they're as good as everybody else does. I think that they're really, really good. And I think that they have a shot at the Super Bowl. But I don't think that they're the same team they were a couple years ago. Um, and most of it, honestly, is the defense. I, it, it's a different roster. you know. It, they sport a nice rotation of solid defensive linemen and pass rushers. We've seen in recent years that defenses, especially Spags defenses, need more than that. 
if I were a KC native, I would feel a little nervous about the Giants' weapons lining up against this secondary. Okay, Sneed, Matthew, Thornhill, Ward, Hughes, they're not some lockdown group. And we've seen in the past that Spags defenses can give up a lot of points and yards if it's not stacked with talent. I mean, think of the 2015 Giants to the 2016 Giants. They gave up, it was like the, one of the worst defenses in Giants history to one of the best defenses in Giants history just based on the talent that they had. They had the same coach. So, you know, if, um, if they're playing with a lead, Kansas City, that defense can be completely different. You know, I mean, you don't, I think Spags is very good at taking chances and playing with a lead allows you to take chances. Um, and, you know, it's it's fucking, it's Kansas City. I mean, of course, you know, playing with a lead is like 70, 80% of their season. But the lead aside, I think that the Giants can move the ball on this defense. You know, if they just shut the scoreboard out of their minds and just play offensive football, they can move the ball. If Anthony Hitchens is starting at linebacker, I mean, that's already a great sign. Because that linebacker group is whack. Uh, I mean, the only problem I can really see is if the Giants fall behind and Daniel Jones is forced to throw the ball downfield a whole bunch of times to catch up. I don't trust his ability to do that in those situations. On defense, well, it's kind of going to be interesting to watch the creative wits between Andy Reid and Patrick Graham. Now, I have no love for Andy Reid because he's a former Eagle coach, and I've known him for a million years as an Eagles coach, and I hate his face. But there's a reason he's still a head coach in this league and still drawing up offenses in this league. It's because he's so good at adapting and finding roles for players that other teams cast aside. This guy's only good at running fast? Well, I have just the plan for a guy who can run fast. You know, things like that. There's a reason he's still here. He's very creative and he's very good at his job. Patrick Graham has shown so far that he's really, really good at his job too. So that's going to be kind of interesting to watch. But there's certainly... There's ways that they can do this, right? There's ways to slow down Tyreek Hill and neutralizing Kelsey. I just don't know how you scheme to, like, take away what Mahomes does improvising. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you do to prevent improvising and just being naturally gifted at improvising. I don't know how you scheme that. So You're, you're incredibly disciplined to stay, to do your job and not to freelance when a guy improvises. Yeah. And, and, and you try to keep him out of situations where he starts to freelance. And I think that usually happens when people, you know, they lose their gaps, they lose their assignments, they start to freelance. Well, they, just, that, they also get overzealous. They see him break the pocket well, and all well, this is my I, chance. And then, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, they're doing, you know, they outkick their own coverage on what they can and can't do. And that's when masters, you know, there's scramblers and there's geniuses who scramble. And that's where a genius like Mahomes can take complete advantage. Yeah. Listen, listen, I think honestly, the biggest thing the Kansas City fan has to worry about is Which if they spent, Super Bowl. No, if, <laughs> if they took if they took the over, and you know, will the Giants have their end of the bargain? Will they score enough points to, to, to make that over bet? I, I, you know, the Giants. I think I think they can exploit some things with Kansas City's deep offense, but the question with this is, you have to match almost score for score with the best offense in the league. And this offense will be better. I think this offense, you know, creates some matchup problems with Kansas city, but you're asking an awful lot of this offense, tremendous amount of pressure. Cause you know, the expectation is that, you know, a team like Kansas city 
every time they have the ball, I'm expecting them to score. And I don't expect ever expect that with this offense just yet. It's a lot to ask Daniel Jones. It's a lot to ask this offensive line to, you know, consistently give time for these guys to open up holes and everything. And I just, I think they will, you know, on a national spot like, like Monday Night Football, I think they, the Giants may turn some heads with, oh, this offense is better than we thought it would be. Maybe we were wrong about Daniel Jones that we don't think he's, you know, you know, awful or, you know, that we don't think this, you know, say what you want, but you have to match this offense. And I just, I, I can't see it. It it's, doesn't make any, you know, there's no logical explanation that tells me they can do that. So, well, I mean, what about this? And I'm just throwing this out there. Is there a chance that Kansas City beats Tennessee and then looks over this game to Green Bay? Sure. This is the NFL. I mean, you don't, ex- you know, we're kind of making the, you know, each week we're, we're trying not to, but you just have to look at it logically. You're like this game in, in that bubble, like they're playing the Giants. This is what we think. But you're right. I mean, where do we fall in the schedule against other teams? And it's possible. Um, I mean, who knows? If there's 7-0 going to this game, that's a lot different than if they're, you know, 4-2 and two for some whatever reason. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think teams overlook other teams. It's not an extra day to prepare. It's Monday Night Football. I don't think teams use Monday Night Football as their – well, we're looking ahead to the next team we're playing. It's it's a showcase game. It's you know this year on the national stage. They live for this. You know you've seen you know, Kansas City's like Green Bay in Seattle, where it's like kind of going on college on a college campus. Yeah, but you're talking about the fans. Things. You're not talking about the players. I think they do too. I think that's you know part of the allure of playing there and part of you feed off your crowd. I mean. I don't know if there's any scientific evidence to prove this, but I think the Giants don't do well at home on Monday Night Football is because that crowd is not the fired-up crowd it normally is. But places like Kansas City and Green Bay and, and Seattle and, you know, how Houston used to be back in the day, they they love it. And they, 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 they you know, that's a, a civic communal pride thing. And, and the teams feed off of it. Yeah, I don't know. I... To me, the only thing is, <laughs> I don't know. You're right. They have to match score for score, and that's that's really really difficult. It's it's more on can the offense not make mistakes, and can the defense actually stop the Chiefs every once in a while? Yeah. You know, I think after this game, to me, it's not just you know what was the final score oh they kicked their ass and you know yeah it's it, i, I can see what you said one. though like where if the giants were to like lose by 10 but they're always down by only like 7 10 13 they're never down by a lot or know, just play just play a good game like you know good teams sometimes lose pretty big to other good teams yeah. and let's i don't want to be i i'd be very disappointed if we're at week 8 and we go in there and we're just not competitive and just because we look like we don't belong on the same field, you know, you can look, you can look like you belong on the same field and still lose by twenty. You know, it, it's there's varying degrees of that. I just want to go up there and look like, you know, we're a pretty good team. We lost to a really, really, really good team. There's nothing we were going to do about it. But I don't want to go up there looking like we are 
Southwest Louisiana playing at Alabama. And, it's, and I think when you're getting into week eight, again, you kind of, you're starting to know what your team is like, and let's, let's see what we look like. And if we look like, you know, just a, a team that, you know, we look good on paper in, you know, we're, we're taping this on June 8th. We look good on paper on June 8th, but now it's obvious that this roster still has gaping holes that need to be addressed. And, you know, we just don't match up well. We don't like we're, we're prepared or we're coached. That's going to that's gonna scare me. But if we look like, you know, we were able to put some pressure on Mahomes, the secondary made plays, you know, we, we scored some points, we got some chunk yardage, we look like we're just we're just not as good as them, that would be a different story, and that's what I can go to bed at night and not be pissed off and sleep an hour and a half with. The test. Yeah. It's a, it's a barometer, that game. Every once in a while, though, there's a game like this where, like, in 2011, you know, they played the Packers. And they lost that game, but down to the wire, you know, a game-winning kick by Green Bay. And I would have thought at the beginning of the year that was a blowout, and I think everyone would have agreed. So I think yeah. it's I think it's very possible to get to lose this game to a team that you uh, the universe thinks you're going to lose and still come out feeling a little bit like a winner. Like like this season is is still exciting. It's just a game. This one Listen, a game. A lot of so. a lot of fans are stupid. And a lot of fans, <laughs> a lot of fans who are, let's say they're casual football fans. I'm not talking giant fans. I'm talking about just NFL people who you talk to on the street, the guy next to you in the airport, you know, just whatever guy you're talking to. A lot of their takes they get are just parroted from what they hear from watching a particular game and. You know, the announcers on Monday Night Football are probably like. the worst. <laughs> ask, ask Steffi what she thinks about... Uh, oh, Lewis Riddick. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're not good. but And they're they're, they're snarky. They have a, a stick up their ass about the Giants to begin with. You want to come out of that game with them having a better impression of what this team is before the game started. That's, that's a goal. Does it really mean... Anything on the field, what that means? No. But you want to kind of feel like there's some validation of what you're seeing up until this point is real as opposed to a mirage. And again, doesn't mean you have to beat Kansas City, but you want you want them to come out of there thinking, this team isn't that bad. You know, this team is kind of on the rise. They they are making strides. The things that Gettleman's are doing, Gettleman, his moves are working. This is a young coaching staff that we're really impressed with. And they just lost to a better team. That's kind of what my goal would be. So, you know, yeah, we're, there's very, very little chance we're going to win. We're probably going to lose significantly. But let's make it so the perception of it is that we're heading in the right direction. And we can – two things can be true at once, losing and losing kind of significantly and also looking like we know what we got going on. Boy, that's really inspiring. Um. <laughs> so that's it. We have we we head into week nine. Both of us have the Giants at five and three, almost identical for us this time. We usually are all over the place, and it's like hard for me to keep track. We only are different on two games. And, and for the record, one game, one game. Si- well, two, for games, the record, two games. Sign me up for that right now. Five um, and three. Yes, five and five three. And th- yeah. Five and three with, with the Raiders coming to town the week after. If we're five and three. In this division, 
If the Chiefs are already sp- off the schedule at that point, I feel good. Yeah, I, I feel like the chances of winning the division are very solid. And I feel extremely solid that we will be playing meaningful football after Thanksgiving, which is always my goal. Goal number one is always, you know, the bar has been low in the last decade, meaningful football after Thanksgiving. Then thinking about the playoffs and, you know, what are we going to do to make the playoffs? That's, that's the second step. But if we're five and three, the division is certainly in reach. And maybe even the thought of being a wild card team potentially is certainly in the conversation. So that's going to do it for us. Mini camp, mandatory mini camp is all this week. I think it's, I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, Unfortunately, I think media access is going to be, according to Art Stapleman's Stapleton, is uh, restricted to whether or not it's held outside. And I think it's supposed to rain at least one of those three days. So it's been, uh, if those of you live in the New York area, we've had we had our first set of uh, thunderstorms the last couple of days up here. So I expect that it's been hot as hell and humid as hell. I expect that pattern to continue. So don't be shocked if they do move indoors. Yeah, and also. It is like oppressively hot now at like 11, 12, it's, oh, it's after midnight. It's after midnight and I am sweating in my apartment. So if you hear that guys had to get off and like walk off the field and, you know, get, get an injection or, or, you know, just drink fluids, this it's June. This isn't, this is not Ray Perkins in the three days of, you know, yesteryear. If the temperature is a certain degree, if the humidity is a certain number, they are going to be extra cautious, especially in these mini camps. We're not even talking training camps. So, you know, you just have to deal with your, you know, get these guys, you know, into the bubble if they have to and do some things. We don't have to have the media there for every second to help this team prepare for the offseason. Be nice that we knew a little bit more, but they're going to be overly cautious going forward. Right. So you can find me on Twitter tweeting about all things mandatory minicamp from now until next week. I am at football underscore grump. I'm at the cranky fan. You know, no more Knicks to talk about, but we have, you know, we have lightning hockey, which for all you Islander fans out there, we were recording this on a Monday night. We're both three, two. I'm looking out. I'm, I'm coming for you for another beating like last year. Um, you know, Shout out to to Bobby and his Nets. I was at the game tonight. Um, he might be having a parade in Brooklyn. Con- congrats to him. You know, no one else in the city will care, but you know, good luck to him for that. Um, all the other stuff going on, but that's me at the Cranky Fan. And oh yeah, by the way, my uh, my first place Tampa Bay Rays are out there for all you Yankee fans who are ready to scalp your GM and coach and kill your owner. And as always, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere where there are podcasts. Our podcast is there, so be sure to give them a follow. And uh, we will see you all next week. Go Go Giants. Giants!